Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. CeraVe facial moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe facial moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist recommended facial moisturizer brand. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and a very warm welcome to the first ever Radio Times podcast. I'm Jane Garvey and I'm going to be with you every single Wednesday with the best in entertainment and to help me along, Rihanna Dillon is here as well. Hi, Rihanna. Hello. Isn't it incredible? The Radio Times has taken nearly a century to get round to having a podcast. <laughs> that is crazy. It just makes no sense. Anyway, we're here now. We'll be here every single Wednesday and we're going to be talking about stuff we've enjoyed and stuff that maybe we haven't enjoyed yeah. quite so much. We can, we can get damn dirty with some stuff, yeah. And we will, even in the first edition, I promise. So this week we are talking, amongst other things, about The Cleaner with Greg Davies. We're talking about The North Water, a fantastic drama with the likes of Colin Farrell and Stephen Graham, who is also in the other big show that we're featuring. That is Help on Channel 4. I should also say that we are going to look um, a bit of nostalgia for you. We'll look back to what we watched in Days of Yore. Uh, Rihanna is telling me her first television memory was watching your mum ironing from the comfort of her bed <laughs> while you had a gander at what? Um, I was watching The Phoenix and the Carpet and Five Children and It, those sort of Sunday afternoon made-for-TV films, which was just lovely. I'm sure it was. Um, <laughs> to give you an idea of the, I was going to say gulf between us, but that's probably a bit melodramatic. My first television memory is the moon landings. Um, so there you go. But what a memory! <laughs> yeah, to that's be fair, very cool. I have to say it does beat 
Sunday afternoon telly. I'll yeah, give you that. It, it really does. Um, now, it's a big, big week for telly. I guess it's September is that traditional time of year mm-hmm. where the big stuff starts coming out. There's reality shows gearing up. They'll be back with us, Bake Off and Strictly, in a week or two. Oh, I'm very excited about those. Well, we both are. <laughs> uh, but there's plenty more um, besides. Now, let's talk... Um, oh, no, let's leave the North Water for a moment or two because mm. I think we both agree on that. Let's talk about the cleaner. What's the cleaner? <laughs> so, Greg Davies is kind of most well known for um, what things like the Inbetweeners and Cuckoo in terms of his dramas. He is. I know we shouldn't go on about this, but yeah. he's he's very tall, isn't he? <laughs> well, that's. I'm just helping people who might not immediately know who he is. He's six foot seven. He is six foot seven, something like that. And and they make quite a lot of that in The Cleaner as well. So yeah, this The Cleaner is written by and stars Greg Davies, who you'll know from The Inbetweeners and Cuckoo, but he's also on Taskmaster. He's on a lot of Dave programmes. He's on pretty much everything. And it's about a, a, a cleaner who clears up crime scenes, who goes into these domestic settings after a death to clean up any fluids with um, a new guest star every single week. So Helena Bonham Carter is first up. They've um, got some big names. What a coup that is. What a great start to a, to a series, yes, you I, think. I, was, I didn't know she was in it. I just set off to watch it mm-hmm. uh, and that took my breath away when she yes. casually entered um, for, a, for a multitude <laughs> but of reasons. It's, well, it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Is it funny? Is it, <laughs> is it a comedy? It is supposed to be a comedy and uh, it's frustrating that they just don't hit any of the comedic notes and actually considering it is a show about something really quite dark, where is the macabre? That's what I was looking for, something really quite dark to come through and it just doesn't they sort of revert to quite obvious jokes I've got to say though seeing Helena Bonham Carter farting on a toilet was not something I was expecting to see in this BBC series Well, um, welcome to the Radio Times podcast and if you were expecting um, some sort of anodyne no far from it Um, no wonder it's taken the Radio Times nearly 100 years to get round to having a podcast no but we actually have to be clear about this there is a scene in which Helena Bonham Carter's on the toilet having a poo and talking to Greg Davies And, and then it goes into this really quite absurd fantastical scene where they serenade each other him in the clouds and her in the clouds on a toilet and and so yeah. you sort of think well what is what is this series yeah is it what is it trying to do what is it trying to be the absurd nature of it I was kind of looking forward to because it was going to do something different and they just don't run with that enough throughout the rest of the series. It was like that was a one-off. So they're, they're all self-contained. I've only seen the first episode. Yeah, it's almost like an anthology. Greg Davies is the guy that is the, you know, he kind of repeats in every single episode. But apart from that, none of the other characters come back. So you sort of fall in love with maybe some of the other characters in it, only for them to be immediately gone, which, again, is a bit of a shame, I think. I've got to give them full marks for trying something completely different, although I gather this is based on a German series, isn't it? Hence the absurd nature of it. This kind of makes sense, I think. Helena Bonham Carter, then, is a stellar booking for the first episode. Who else have they got? So in episode two, we see David Mitchell as a very cantankerous author. And in episode three, it's Ruth Maidley, who actually you might know from um, the series Years and Years. 
Right. Which was Russell T. Davies series. Yeah. Apocalyptic. Excellent. And um, Ruth Maidley is a wheelchair user. Um, so I was really excited to see what they were going to do with her. She's. Re- I don't really see her in enough stuff, so I was kind of really thrilled that she was in this. And all they do is revert to really old-fashioned, crude jokes about people having no use of their legs. And I was absolutely gutted I, I was kind of like going through my calendar going what decade are we in right now this is really frustrating considering that she plays phenomenal characters in other shows and she given the right script can be fantastic and then just to see this really quite reductive 30 minutes was so annoying and it just felt like such a wasted opportunity and to, i was surprised maybe this says more about me than about the cleaner this is on bbc one yes I mean, it's not even, it's in a prime time slot. It's not even like hidden away. I just, I don't know if I was missing it or if this is sort of like post ironic or whatever, but it just it didn't hit the right notes. It just didn't work for me. That's the cleaner. Um, Jamie Oliver is back um, on Channel 4 um, in a series called Together, which I guess is, well, an obviously an acknowledgement that that's what we haven't been able yeah, to be, this which is, is all- sweet. Cheers. Life is about memories. And today we made a memory. Thank you, Dad. I could do a whole paragraph and it's never as good as Dad's. Dad's has three words. <laughs> I realised afterwards that it's all a big tie-in to go with his cooking book, obviously, his recipe oh, book, of course. Terrible, I hate these promotional things. <laughs> So you will find all of the recipes for everything that he cooks in his new recipe book. But actually, I think what what's quite nice about Jamie Oliver's stuff is just how kind of comforting it is to watch somebody yeah. cook. Yeah. And I do really enjoy that sort of escapism. It's really weird, isn't it? Because it's a domestic thing. We have to do it every single day. That shouldn't really be escapism. But when you're watching these celebrity cooks in their kitchens that are <laughs> dolled you know, up to the nines... It's the kitchens, isn't it's it? It's the kitchens. It's the... Th- Thick wooden worktops. It's the argers. It's the however many vinegars that he's got stacked on his shelves. The fact that he chops so brilliantly. He does. I could watch a professional chopper at work. Um, the knives, Jane. Yeah, the sharp it's the techniques. They. Re- I mean, he really knows his business. And I, I, look, he's the guy who sorted out turkey twizzlers. So <laughs> he'll always have my respect. <laughs> he sort of gives Nigella a bit of a run for his money with his culinary terms. He talks about. He talks in quantities about a kiss of this. Well, written that down it's funny you mentioned that he he says at one point kiss the tray with olive oil (laughs) don't smear it on your lips and don't just slosh it it into the pan like you (laughs) don't care um and uh, he has his young son with him buddy i didn't realize his name was actually buddy i thought it was a sort of term endearment it's buddy Buddy. um and i just it's when you see the interaction between them i think most parents just think well where did i go wrong What, what, what? Maybe Buddy isn't always as wonderful as this. He was washing up. He washed up. He was so sweet. He, he was. also, by the way, clearly very talented. Yes. Um, what do you say? But you can't really be too critical because people will lap this up. Absolutely. And it did make me want to try that fabulous lamb with the bread yeah. stuffing. And he talked about roasting lemon rinds as well, which is something that I've never thought to do. But also I think he's trying to do these little bits of don't waste this, try this. So he talks about how to revive bread, which is actually... I think there's always a little bit of activism going on with Jamie, a Mm. little bit, you know, underneath, which is always, as you say, something to respect. Yeah, um, I didn't notice a lot of vegetarian fare in this first episode, but maybe that was just me. I mean, I'm a massive meat eater, so that would have possibly gone over my head anyway. The the mango cocktails, more up your street? 
Yes, I can take or leave Mango, I've got to be absolutely honest. Okay, so Jamie Oliver's back, he's the king of Channel 4 and he's on Monday nights at what time? Eight o'clock. Great. Um, Welcome back, Jamie, because we all need a bit of escapism to a lovely, tidy, well-equipped, huge kitchen. (laughs) Um, We'll definitely be there, I know I'll love it really. Now, by way of contrast, the drama that is... Well, I'm trying very hard to forget some of the things I saw in the first episode of this, but I am going to be back for more and I will watch every single episode wow. of The North Water. A ringing endorsement. Well, I, I mean it. This is really, really powerful stuff. Starts on BBC Two at the very... I mean, this is quite important. The post-watershed time of 9.30. Mm-hmm. On what date? On Friday the 10th. It's right. the first episode. OK, so this is this week then, as you listen to this podcast. Uh, tell everybody what they need to know about the North Water. First of all, it's not for the squeamish. It's it's a very dark, very bleak portrayal of a doomed whaling exhibition, um, which goes to the Arctic to yeah to find seals and whales, and and it doesn't shy away from how they kill these animals mm. either. So and you know they they're uh, very keen to make out, very keen to point out no animals no. were harmed in the making of this, although. It's uh, you have to just turn away at times. Yeah, anyway. I did. I definitely did. And it stars Jack O'Connell as a disgraced surgeon. So he's sort of our guide, but he isn't. He's um, not a particularly reliable guide uh, or a narrator, let's say, because we find out some bits about his past that makes us question a few things. Um, it also stars our favourite Stephen Graham. He's back. You know what people call us whalers? They say we're refugees from civilization. Welcome aboard, Mr. Summer. And excellent yet again. He never stops working. He does not. I mean, we could have a new Stephen Graham show every single week to feature, I think. Um, Colin Farrell. Everyone's favourite Irishman. Yes, and I know that you recently interviewed Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, he is it fair to describe him as basically irresistible? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Fine. And as uh, you know, I, as much as I try to resist. I will never be not pulled in by his charms, let's say. Well, he isn't charming in this. Oh, Um, he's a beast in this. He is an absolutely vile character. He put on so much weight, didn't he? He looks unrecognisable. His hair is lank around his face and he is... He's a weighty man. He's he's physically, you know... Bulky. So, yeah, so so you have to really believe that he could murder somebody with his bare hands, and you do. Um... Also, what I loved about The North Water was how cinematic it was because mm. it's not done on a green screen. They actually went and filmed. I mean, I think they had to go much further north than they thought they would have to. To, because, get, the, to get to the ice. Because the ice had all melted. Yeah. So that's yet another reason. It's quite gloomy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But um, it does look fantastic. It looks so beautiful and, again, authentic because you can feel the cold coming through your screens. And you could, actually, you could smell that whaling, <laughs> that whaling ship. Yeah. Uh, you really could. I have to say, um, with a with a female head on, there are very few female characters yeah. in this. If uh, I'm one, um, I Yes. I, I mean, it's not about women. It doesn't feature women. In fact, I've got to be honest, the, the only female characters in this are sex workers. And you are left in no doubt that they're... Their lives are utterly wretched yeah. um, and that life is just very, very cheap generally. 
And um, we see because that we see them in Hull, don't we? In this, this yes. port, so it's like their existence is to be the entertainment for the men who are coming off the boats yeah. every once in a while and then going off again. Not that the men's lives are a barrel of laughs either. We, we should say, <laughs> um, but it's, it is incredibly bleak. If you saw the terror with Jared Harris, which came out fairly yeah. recently, that that was much more supernatural. It, this doesn't have a supernatural element to it, um, but I think it's in a similar vein, and the the tension builds quite horrendously. Um, so if you like the terror, I think you will enjoy this. Yes, I would agree. I saw the terror, and I but I think this is, if I'm honest, I think this is better. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the first episode. I can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I know that there are worse things to come in terms of the plot. Yes, there are, Jane. Yeah. yeah but uh, it's the North Water. It's on at half past nine for a reason. And if you're not into that sort of thing... Don't watch it. Don't go near it. (laughs) Tom Courtney also makes a little appearance as well, directed by Andrew Haig, who directed him in 45 Years with Charlotte Rampling. So if you love Tom Courtney, then there will be something in there for you, playing a very evil man. Yeah, very evil indeed. It's utterly compelling. So I'm afraid we're both completely in agreement here. You've got, if you can, watch The North Water. Now, um, one of the dramas probably of the year is on Channel 4 next week. This is Help. Um, I had the great pleasure, actually, of talking to the stars, Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham. You've seen it too, haven't you, Rianne? Yes. It is unforgettable, isn't it? It is an incredible performance from both of them. And it is, as you can imagine, heartbreaking, devastating, a reminder of what a lot of people had to go through, what, only 18 months ago? Because it's all about COVID. It is all about COVID. We should say this is set in a care home in Liverpool, which, of course, is the home city of both Stephen Graham and Jodie Comer. It's set at the very height of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, actually, at the start, when, in truth, we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Um, You will want to watch this. I have to say it doesn't make for comfortable viewing, but it is absolutely brilliant. So here are Stephen and Jodie. There is a, there's a kind of anecdote that everybody thinks they know about why you two really wanted to work together and about how you first came across each other or it was Stephen meeting you, Jodie. So Stephen, it is true, isn't it, that you worked with Jodie mm-hmm. when she was really young and then just thought she's just got something and I want to work with her again. Uh, yeah, I met her on a project we did together called Good Cop. Um, and it was a while ago, and I think, was it seven years ago, Joe? Maybe longer? No, it was way longer. I'm 28 now. It was like, it was like 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, it was loads ago. 13, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah, so it was, um, and basically, look, she had this lovely little role in it. It was only a small role. Um, I had a small role in it as well, and we were rehearsing this little scene that we had out in the restaurant and then in the toilet. And I was just saying, you know, I was very courteous and I was just saying, look, you know, he's not a very nice man and is it okay if I if I just kind of stroke you down there or, or I'll touch you on the side of the leg there and it will look to the camera like, you know, I've, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And so I was very mindful of, of her anyway. And she was a young young woman, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and she was like, yeah, 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 that's okay. Okay, fine, I'm fine. I was like, you sure you're comfortable with it all? And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was, oh, so... was I that high-pitched and squeaky? Her voice hadn't broken Yeah, you were that, that high-pitched and squeaky. <laughs> no, 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 her voice hadn't broken at that point. And then we rehearsed it and I just thought, wow. And then when we came to shoot it, um, because to me as well, you know, 
status can never be played because I, I personally, I just feel when, when someone plays status, it weakens it. Status has to be given in certain aspects. You know what I mean? This fear just came straight into her face and, and she was playing it from truth. And then as an actor, then I fed off that and it just made me feel a bit more. Do you know what I mean? It was just, and I, and I just thought, wow. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, all right, this is brilliant. So you were very young, actually, Jodie, really young. Um, you must have, you probably knew that Stephen was a great actor, <laughs> but what, what did you think of him? Um, no, I was, I mean, I was a huge fan of Stephen's, you know, having watched him on the television and being like, just the fact that I got to work with him. I was only filming for one day and all my scenes were with him and, I remember when we wrapped Stephen and we were right in front of the, the cathedral in Liverpool. Yeah. And you were like, give me a number, I'm going to speak to the agents about Yeah, I remember it so clearly. So that was um, quite some time yeah. ago now. And is this the first time the two of you have worked together in something since? Yeah. Yes. And it's an incredibly timely and, and powerful piece, mm. this, isn't it, Help. Um, it does not make comfortable watching, but it shouldn't. Neither of you have had the care home experience and you don't know anyone who's been in a care home during COVID. Is, is that, is that no, right? Yeah, that is right. Um, I mean, and that was what we were, so, when you know, when we came to do help, we were so fortunate that there were a handful of carers who were willing to be really, really open with us and speak with us about what their experience had been. To have that access and for them to want to kind of relive certain things was something that we really didn't take lightly and something that we, we, we really wanted to have because, you know, the, hopefully this drama gives them a voice. You know, that's that's what we want to do. We want it to be truthful and we want it to be authentic and we want them to feel like we have given them the space in a way to tell their side of the of the story. So Clive. <laughs> Sorry about Clyde, he just went nuts. Someone's just knocking me off. Sorry, Joe, carry on. What's really important is that your character, yes. Sarah, isn't it, in, in Help, um, she was good at mm. care work and she hadn't really been, she hadn't succeeded at much else in her life. So can you just, just talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that was really important, that side. Yeah, well, like, I think the thing with Sarah is, you know, and I'm sure there's many young women like her of maybe not been very successful with their grades, never really feeling like school was a, a place in which they fitted in. So then kind of feeling defeated and like she's not very good at anything, you know, and her family are disappointed in her and she's disappointed in herself. And that's a, it's a big weight that she carries. And, you know, she goes for this interview in the care home and for her this is like a last resort this is like I need a job and I'm not coming at this because for any other reason that I that I really have to you know and my family are waiting at mm. home and they think I haven't got it in me and I'm here you know there's also a bit of resistance from from Steve you know played by the wonderful Ian Hart who he also doesn't believe in her and you know long story short she 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 ends up getting the role and within that she really ends up finding her feet and almost her calling in a way you know there's something about her where you yeah. sense that she's she's a per she's personable she's got a sense of humor you know she's got she's feisty but you really see how she connects with the residents and she cares a lot she has a lot of yeah. empathy and I think the relationship you know, that she ends up kind of developing with Tony really brings that out of her. And I think she's also really taken 
back by just how much it means to her. I've got to be absolutely honest with you. Uh, I could not do mm. that work. Um, I I haven't done it, and I haven't even really done it for people yeah. close to me. Um, I mean, do you have you thought yourself about whether you'd be the sort of person capable of doing that work? I mean, I think we would all like to think we were capable if if that was brought upon us. You know, the the reality is, you know, we all get old. Our parents get old. You know, yeah. I, I think what. It is incredible about these men and women who do this role. And even, you know, having spoken to them on, on Zoom was that there is no black and white in the care system. It's they all act on on impulse of how would I want to be treated? How would I want my mother to be treated? And it isn't residents and carers. It's like a family. It's an extended family. And and they're doing it for £8.50 yeah. an hour. Yeah, that's and I think that's what's really thing, chilling which... about, you know, when you get to the end of the film and, and the kind of facts roll and you you see the reality of what these people are, are are living through. And, yeah, the extent to which they're working and just what that work entails. There's a there's a beautiful moment in the film where Sarah sings to Kathy Tyson, Tyson and she, she yeah. sees, like, she knows what Polly, Polly needs in that moment what and she acts upon her. it. Yeah, what what is it that she needs? Um, I think that is a skill in itself. I just, I mean, there was a moment for me when I should say that Stephen's character Tony has early onset Alzheimer's, and um, which I think Ian Hart's character points out is not as rare as people realise. It does much happen. So. How much did you know about that, Stephen, before before you got this role? Um, I didn't, if I'm completely honest, I didn't know too much about it. Um, and then when we were in discussions with Jack right at the very beginning. Sorry, I should say that's Jack. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Jack, Jack Thorne, Thorne, isn't it? Wonderful writer. writer. Yeah. Um, and I turned around and I said, Jack, you know, would you write something for me and Jodie? Please, Jodie Coleman. And he went, you know what? That's really funny. You should say that, Stephen, because she's actually said something as well and based in Liverpool. And I was like, oh, please, Jack, come on. And then before you knew it, we were kind of, you know, this story was being developed and it was moving at pace, uh, which was amazing. But to go back to your point, I didn't know a lot about it. And I watched Vicky McClaw's beautiful documentary about the choir, which which I really tapped into, um, which gave me an idea because there was a couple, you know, there was a couple of younger people in, in her choir who suffered. And I'd never really seen it before in that way. Or, you know, so honestly portrayed in that respect. Um, and then when we when we got to rehearsals, I, I, I met this wonderful woman called Nikki who works in the dementia field. Um, and because I had to isolate for 10 days in my hotel, I kind of really intensely got into the role in a strange way. Do you know what I mean? It was a real benefit for me. And, and I got to meet some beautiful people. They, they had like a, a coffee and a tea morning. And I got to join them in that. And, and what I really got a sense of what I wanted to try to do with this, pro with, with my part in this was not play the disease, not play the illness, but play the person. Do you know what I mean? Tony's mind is rooted. It's, it's the Liverpool team of the, what, mid, I was trying to work it out, yeah, the mid 1980s. 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that his way of trying to connect with something that he, he remembers? trying to keep hold of something yeah that sense of self and identity and prove to himself that he can remember something do you know what i mean so technically that sort of becomes his mantra i should say there way. is a real connection between sarah and tony in this but there is 
I mean, at one point I did think, oh, my God, are they going to have a, a relationship? No, just as a, a no. viewer, I did, I did wonder. See, now that's interesting because it's, I personally feel it's the most platonic, purest mm. relationship that two people can have. <laughs> but I think, honestly, me too, Stephen, but Jane, I think that says a lot about that this kind of relationship isn't and really explored yeah, on TV. Exactly, yeah. or, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that there's not an authenticity about it. And you can have passionate and platonic, can't you? Which mm. is which is actually what this is. Mm. Of yeah. course. And and in, and in yeah. many respects, in that respect, I suppose, you know, is it is it more uh, kind of European in it, in its in it, in the view of what we see on screen, like what Jody's saying? You know what I mean? Because we're not normally used to seeing no. that kind of truly pure total platonic mm. relationship where two people meet and become mm. kindred spirits for a while and they help each other within the journey of life do you know what i mean it's very profound but there you go no it's very profound and also i'm just not i'm not sophisticated enough i should say i am from liverpool too so i um i, I wonder whether this whole program meant more to me mm. because i'm from liverpool i've also i've got parents who are in their 80s luckily for me they're not in a care home but that experience could have been my experience during during covid and i was so aware of that watching watching help would it have been as important to you as intense had it not been set in liverpool jody was that really important to you it was really important to me um I mean, that was one of the first messages that I sent to Jack. I, I basically just told him that <laughs> I loved him <laughs> and I wanted to work with him. Um, and I would have loved for it to have been set in Liverpool. I think it's another thing. What I really love about the piece is that I feel like it's a real true representation of Scousers. Um, you know, and, and I remember when we got the, the first draft of the script and I mean, it was all there. It, the, the first draft was literally near enough perfect kind of ready to shoot which kind of blew us all away mm-hmm. um but it was really great to be able to kind of sit down with jack and me and steve and go through and go oh you know this word we'd probably use this or you know just making it feel very real um because i think you yeah. you don't really see a lot of um you know scousers on the on the tv so it was like right if we're going to do this then let's make sure that it feels authentic and people see themselves and you are allowed to use your yeah. voice which was a big thing for me which was a massive mm. thing for me personally primarily what i wanted to to do with this piece was for the world to see jodie using her own voice and in her own environment you know what i mean and being able to yeah. play that kind of character that she can identify which is where she's from. <laughs> it's really funny because I've always always rated myself at having like a Scouse detector that I can always spot Scousers. It doesn't matter where <laughs> I go in the world, however many, uh, I can always see one, I can hear one. And I have never been more surprised than when I discovered that Jodie was a Scouser. <laughs> I did That's not. Great. <laughs> uh, if, it was my, my mum told me, oh, she's from Chilwell. I said, no, she I can't be. That. Do you feel a bit defensive, Jodie, about the fact that you couldn't use your accent or you didn't or did it not no, work listen, out that way? No, listen, it's something that I've always... Um, it's two things. It's something I always get asked to change and it's always something I've gone, oh, when I change my accent, I can separate myself from the character more. But for me, there was something so... something really kind of cathartic about doing my own accent in this and kind of exploring and showing part of the woman who I am 
and so many women who I know. And it didn't get in the way of anything. Um, no. Not at all. So I'm glad I've realised that. <laughs> I consciously made a decision at the beginning of my career to try and do as many different accents as I could so people wouldn't identify me as being a scouser and I wouldn't be typecast as the fella that bombed the cars or robbed someone's house and stuff like that, you know what I mean? That was my primary purpose, which I think I managed to achieve a little bit. Well, you've played some, you've played some spectacularly shifty characters as of well. Of course, along, yeah, along yeah, yeah, life's highway. Do you know what I mean? I, to play Al Capone was, was, a, was a massive... I mean, you couldn't get more shiftier. Um, do you know what I mean? So for me, in that way, but he wasn't a scouser. But he was very scouse in his way of thinking occasionally. Um, so for me to do that and go and play them roles to go, look, I can do other things, you know. And then what I decided was, I'm actually going to start doing more accents in Scouse because to me, I looked at the telly and thought, there's no Scousers on there. So how can I, like when I was a kid, there was an abundance of wealth of talent from Liverpool and other working class towns on the television. That wasn't really the case so much over the past like 10, 12 years. So I made a decision consciously to play more Scouse roles in order to hopefully give younger people the chance to see that and go well well if he can do it i can do it because that's mm. what i used to think yeah i mean you're right there we know there have been plenty of articles written over the last couple of years about the wealth of, of public school um you know really very expensively educated very successful and not talentless um british actors who appear to have cleaned up the roles in some in some areas do you think Stephen, that is still a problem or have things got slightly better but it's not, Jodie, like we were talking earlier, it's not just on screen, it's off screen as well. These stories mm. need to be told. So the people who write these stories need to be given the opportunities. It's okay shouting and screaming like we need more black faces on the telly or we need more working class people on the telly. That's great for one that people are saying that. But for two, we need to find the people that can write these stories, that can tell these stories. I personally feel that's where we should be focusing on because then these stories can be told. Yeah, and you, mu you must make um, real connections with people that you work with because it's a very intense business mm. yours, isn't it? Each relationship differs. You know, me and Stephen talk every day. <laughs> Near enough. <laughs> you know, we're always checking in. It's it's not as general, you know. It's all quite personal in, in what connections you make with people, I think. This is a, a question, I suppose, for anyone who wants to go into your line of work. What do, what do people like Jodie have to watch out for, Stephen? What are the bits of advice that you are able to give her because you've been doing the same thing for that little bit longer? Uh, just to basically try and maintain your integrity throughout, you know, mm. try and develop a solid sense of yourself and who you are and and what you would like to do and, you know, try and be selective with your projects. But predominantly just do the things that make you happy, do you know what I mean? It's a tricky industry, but you have to go in there with the right reasons. And, you know, it's not one of those things where you just do it because you want to become famous. It's you, you, you have to have a passion. It, it's a love. It's, it, it's my passion. I adore the job I do and I feel extremely blessed to be able to do what I do. It's not even a job. It's a vocation. Mm. It's a calling. Do you know what I mean? In certain aspects. Yeah. And I don't want to sound pretentious or wanky or anything like that, but it, it, it's, for me, it's the most beautiful thing I can do. But for anyone starting off, I'd say, you know, just, just be mindful of, 
of maintaining your own integrity as much as you can. Clive's um, gearing up for another session by the sun. Clyde, Clive. it's Clyde. We've got, got Bonnie sorry. and Clyde. <laughs> oh. Clyde, come here, lad. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him. Um, and um, it, projects that you believe in, I mean, it's when you both get to your level of success, you can pick good projects, can't you? Um, Stephen, is there anything in your backstory professionally that you re- that you really regret doing no <laughs> good answer <laughs> um <laughs> jody what about that no i think i haven't had it yet I, I feel like i've been very lucky that i've worked with a lot of good eggs <laughs> you know it's another thing that helped really kind of reaffirm for me was like just what it means to work as a team um and how we can't do it if we don't have each other. When we did help, I remember, you know, a, a couple of days in or something, and Tori said this before. Tori said, it's the first kind of time she's been a part of something like this in the respect of what mm. it's saying socially, politically. Um, and, and I suppose, I don't know, the importance of what it is, you know what I mean? I've been involved in similar things like that quite a bit. Um, it's, it's kind of, if I get the opportunity to, to flip the mirror and go have a little look at yourselves or if I can come into someone's mm. living room for such an amount of time and, and maybe create a conversation mm. after that piece is done, then to me, that's the ultimate I can ever achieve. Do you know what I mean? Well, that was what was so powerful about time was that there were, you, you do you do a lot of these characters who are ambivalent. They're not, life isn't black and white. And a lot of the characters that you portray really illustrate that brilliantly, I think. And, mm. and also in Help... I really I liked Ian Hart's character. He wasn't a bad man. He was he was really no. trying. He was out of his depths a little bit, but he was trying to do everything he could and he was he was doing the best that he could with what he had. I mean, you take a little glance at that cast as well on help and it's kind of like wow, me and A were getting to work with Sue Johnson, Kathy Tyson and Ian Hart. And David Heyman, mm. we were, I mean, you know, I was a bit like. And also these, you know, there is no small parts in this, in this drama. It's like everyone truly wanted to be a part of this for reasons yeah. bigger than themselves, which I think sure. was wonderful. Just that, that that scene overnight, which I think is about 12 or 13 minutes long, where Jodie's character of Sarah is battling to keep one particular um, patient alive and in the end needs um, Stephen Graham's character's help. That was one of... I'm not just um, going up your fundament here. That was one of the most difficult but powerful bits of television I've ever seen. Oh, wow. And I, I, I just wonder... Um, Looking back for both of you, what, can you just both talk about a moment of telly, maybe when you were growing up or in your adolescence, that made you think, right, OK, I want to do this or I'll never forget that bit of TV? There's the film Kez, which had a profound effect on me as a young, a young lad watching that. You know what I mean? I think we were doing, I think we did GCSE English at the time. Um, and me just yeah. seeing that piece of work and being blown away by it, but also mm. thinking, wow. That's 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 something I'd love to be able to do. Um, and then it was the the practically almost religious viewing of Boys from the Black stuff when it was on with my mum and dad in our flat in Kirby. I'm just glued to that, just watched, and I'd be waiting on every single word. You know what I mean? And I watched it intensely. And yeah, um, yeah and I, Julie Walters was phenomenal. And they all were mm. Alan Bleasdale. You know what I mean? It was um, Bernard Hill was outstanding. 
Um, and, and I just remember watching that being blown away by it, but also hearing tones that, that were coming from my uncles and, you know, being involved in conversations that were being said by the family because it captured what was happening at that moment in time. Um, yeah, and I just, that, that was something as well that made me think, wow, I would love to be able to do something like that one day. Jody? I think for me, the two that kind of stick out, television being the royal family, um, like seeing kind of people not far from myself and the world that I know, you know, with that kind of balance of being so truthful, so authentic, so funny and so heartbreaking, like the way that they found that balance of all of those things together I was like wow that to me was is what makes something so powerful when all those elements are they just kind of blend in together and then film I remember when I watched more than color with Samantha Morton um and that was a big moment for me of going I want to be like her like this is the kind of work that I would love to do and just being kind of so enchanted by Samantha and what she does on screen, I think, um, really kind of inspired me and blew me away. And obviously Help, which we've been mainly talking about today, is an incredibly sombre and sober piece that people really need to go away and think about. Could, do you not, I mean, Scousers and comedy are very, very closely linked, obviously. Do you, do you either of you fancy doing anything together that is more... Well, more along the lines of the royal family than than all help. day long, yeah. And anything, anything. Yeah, it shows that. You are you commissioning that, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I'm not unfortunately in a position. I mean, I've got I've got power, <laughs> but not no, quite as much power as I'd like. I'd wait with that girl for the rest of my life, if possible. Yeah, of course, mm. I would anything, any opportunity. Me but too. Great, I don't yeah. know how much work we'd get done if we were doing something like that. Like <laughs> that was the giggles. other thing. Look, that was the other thing. Help is a beautifully powerful piece. And I'm so proud of it. I really am. I'm so proud of it. And, and I adored the experience. But me and I did nothing but laugh. We laughed so much on that set. Actually, do you know what? You've destroyed the whole business of it for me now. I don't want to think about the two of you um, laughing about... Um, no, cause it, but I'm sure you did, by the way. But to pull ourselves can't. out of what we... No, don't get me wrong. Turn, what we were doing. As soon as it's turning over, yeah. we're like, boom. But the amount of fun we actually had working with each other yeah. and being a part of the crew. And the crew were adorable, such a sensitive, mm. wonderful crew. Each person was a piece of a jigsaw, and without any one of those people, we don't have what we have today. But we had so much fun. I'm just being honest with you. Mm. She's hilarious. She's oh, got a wicked sense of humour. And we had a right laugh. That is Stephen Graham on Jodie Comer's traditional, of course, Scouse wicked sense of humour. Um, we don't want to get too embedded in Scouse cliches, but um, <laughs> there are many brilliant things about help, aren't there, Rihanna? Um, and it's it, the fact that it's set in Liverpool, it is significant. It makes everything just seem so much more authentic. I think we're used to seeing Jodie Comer in quite a stylized performance in something like Killing Eve, um, where obviously she's doing a range of accents and that's kind of why we fell in love with her in the first place. Um, and also in Dr. Foster, which I think was, you know, what, a few years ago. And again, uh, a very mannered performance. Whereas actually in this, it was lovely to see her almost being a woman of the people. She obviously was in her own accent. As they talked about in that interview, they, you know, they can use their own colloquialisms. And that all just adds to 
us buying into how real this feels when you're watching it, I think. I think um, the scene where Jodie Comer playing Sarah, the care worker, Mm. is alone on that night. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to go into too much more detail because I really do urge people to have a look at yes. this, is is one of those moments of telly that I think will, will resonate 10, 20 years from now. I, I really do believe it. And there's, it's she tries various sources of assistance. She's ringing up helplines. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. The lines are jammed. There's nowhere to go. I get goosebumps just reliving that in my head. I really do. So please do watch this. Although, as I say, not a bundle of fun, despite <laughs> the fact that everybody involved, I know, cared passionately about getting it right yes. and did have a laugh while they were doing it, as Stephen was honest enough to admit. It's written by Jack Thorne, who's, yes. who's a guy who's done what else? So, you know, you might have seen the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in the West End. So he wrote that. He's also written uh, the film The Aeronaut, starring Eddie Redmayne, um, his Dark Materials on the BBC. But he kind of, he cut his teeth in TV shows like Shameless and Skins. So he's got form of working with uh, Stephen Graham as well, because he wrote on This Is England. So this is why they, they all go back so far. And I think that's why he was able to write such an interesting, heartfelt, human drama. I think he does such a great job in this of putting a very real face on something that was in the news, obviously, for weeks. And I think in those sorts of cases, we can get a bit desensitised to it. So by making Stephen Graham and Jodie Comer two incredibly famous British faces, the face of the care home crisis that I think is still ongoing, um, I think is a really important thing. Yeah. Are you... We don't want to give anything away about the... Is it a twist? I guess it's a turn of events in Help, which you might not necessarily expect. Were you entirely happy with the way the storyline developed? I think that's a safe way of putting it. I think there is an element of them trying to make more drama out of what was actually happening. And Mm. they didn't really need it because all of the drama in the care home was enough. Um, I can sort of understand why they wanted some slightly bigger finale um it was um yeah i'm kind of with you i would have loved it to have stayed in the care home because you 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 feel the isolation there yeah and there were you know just even in the inserts you know between the breaks you just have close-ups of people old elderly people's hands touching each other and that being such a frightening image but also such a sort of powerful um representation of just how important that touch is to people who don't, you know, people who can't remember who their yeah. family members are. I found um, the very beginning um, is the character played by Jodie Comer, Sarah. She just needs a job and she happens mm. to get a job in a care home and she's brilliant at it. Yeah. She's really skilled at it. She finds herself, she finds something she's good at and you're so chuffed for her. And then there's this sense of foreboding because you know, you I think you hear a news report mm-hmm. during the course of the drama, Covid's on its way. It's yeah. happened, and then people are discharged from hospital, and they come to the care home. By then, I was I could hardly watch. No, it feels like a zombie outbreak. Yeah. looking back at it now, doesn't it? You know the way it's kind of it does feel like twenty eight days later, and when yes. they have they're all in these suits, the hazmat suits and the masks, none of which are given to the people in the care homes. And I think is it Angela Griffin who um, kind of comes out and says, "Give us your kit yeah. to the ambulance, to the paramedics, because they just don't have any." So just 
just how alone they were and abandoned they were really comes through. And again, really important for some of us who were at home having a actually fairly easy time of it in lockdown, maybe not having enough loo roll, but still kind of managing to get by. Mm. It's a really good reminder for us of just what people had to go through those yeah. months. I, could, I mean, I could not agree more and I urge everyone to watch Help. Um, but again, to repeat, not the easiest no. uh, drama to view. But it's on Channel 4 on the 16th of September at nine o'clock and, of course, on all four after that. Everyone loves a bit of nostalgia, right? You know, I just, I love reminiscing with my friends. I imagine you do as well, talking about all of the things that we... We've got so much more to talk about <laughs> than you. <laughs> When it comes to reminiscing. <laughs> Carry on. Well, the reason I say this is because every week on the podcast, we're going to be finding out what we watched. So we pick a year and we chat about some of the really big, iconic moments in TV that we all remember fondly. Maybe you might remember some more of them than, other, yeah, all right, than okay. me. But... I'm allowed to do those jokes. You aren't. <laughs> we'll also share our memories of that time. And of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. Our email is podcast at radiotimes.com or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Radio Times. This week, I'm going to give you some clues, Jane. All okay. of these took place in the September of this year. So <laughs> on yeah. ITV1, this morning conducted the first live test of the anti-impotence drug, Viagra. I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, gosh, this was... It was much talked about, not surprisingly. <laughs> that little blue pill. Um, it was also announced that the former Spandau Ballet member Martin Kemp would join EastEnders. Oh. This is where it gets really weird because your mind does play tricks on you. Uh-huh. Are we talking a long time ago? We're talking, a, yeah, a fairly long time ago. Can I have another clue, please? Um, on the 4th of September, the very first episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire launched. Let's have a listen. Welcome for the very first time to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, everybody wants some extra cash. Apparently, Monica Lewinsky is now asking for several million dollars to write her kiss and tell story. Let's just hope it's not a pop-up book. Now, as I've said, each day we randomly select 100 people who've answered correctly. We call them back and ask them one more little teaser, which is back to Monica again. The ten people who are closest to giving the right answer to that question are whizzed down here from all over the country to take part in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Chris Tarrant being as um, wow. PC as ever. Well, actually, that, that is a really interesting bit of audio yeah. because those two jokes are now, well, what am I supposed to think? I mean, you wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. Rightly. <laughs> uh, I know that probably means I'm woke and that might be a bad thing, but that is an illustration. This must be quite some time ago, but it can't be that long ago. <laughs> the fact that he is attempting jokes about Bill Clinton, I do remember the impeachment, I think... Yeah, it's it must be... I thought it was going to be the early 2000s, but it can't be so late... Late 20th century, 1997? 1998 was the year. If I got it right, what would the prize have been? <laughs> A night with Chris Tarrant. Oh. So, <laughs> so obviously watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was huge and that was something that my family all did. We all gathered around. It, was, it does feel like that sort of classic family era of... You know, everybody trying to guess the answers, getting it wrong, yeah. the excitement of that much money being involved well, it's a in a huge, show for the it first was time. Massive, wasn't yeah, it? It really, really was. Still is. And from one very evanescent host to another, 
What about Ainsley Harriet? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Beautiful. There you go. Hardly surprising. But what about our studio audience? Is it going to be a green pepper day or a red tomato one? Let's find out as we ask them all to please vote now. Well, up they go. And look at this. This is quite a close one, isn't it? But there's a few more. Green pepper! <laughs> Yeah, uh, thanks to the efforts of Greg James. Um, I know. Ainsley's back with us. Hello, rightly. Jill. I don't know why he ever went away, to be honest, because I like a bit of Ainsley. What still intrigues me about that, um, why didn't they go, and I used to think it at the time, why, did, why have they gone for a tomato? Why didn't they have a red pepper and a green pepper? Uh, it's bizarre. Does that sort of thing keep you Have you, you ever awake? met him? Could you ask him? Uh, I haven't met him and I would like to ask him. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, we've now got the opportunity. Let's get him on. <laughs> so what were you doing in 1998? I was I was co-presenting Drive on Five Live. That's a big deal. It was a big deal with Peter Allen and we had a proper laugh and obviously covered some very important news stories while we were doing it. <laughs> and there were some yes. colossal news stories around that time. Absolutely. Yeah. I just can't remember any of them. <laughs> just trying to think what happened in 1998. Uh, oh, well, the impeachment of Bill Clinton, that was one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, just some interesting responses on the Instagram account, at Radio Times. Uh, you can also contact us, by the way, on Twitter, at Radio Times, and you can email the podcast, podcast at radiotimes.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from people, wouldn't we? Really? Yes, we would. Particularly if you disagree <laughs> with our assessment of any show. Uh, maybe we've bigged something up, you saw it and hated it, or the other way around. So I think I'd be too frightened to disagree agree with you to be honest yes you're very wise very wise young woman <laughs> uh anyway some people who have already responded and told us what they were watching back in 1998 uh hollyoaks the shame says zoe and actually <laughs> we were amazed to discover that hollyoaks was already three years old i can't believe that it still feels like the newest soap going and it's i love incredible. that she's put the shame because yeah yeah you well, should have felt that quite kate says peak practice and heartbeat heartbeat had a dishy doctor right no, that was a police constable. Oh. And I think you'll find it was Nick Berry. Oh, my God, I used to fancy Nick Berry so much. A lot of ladies did, and, and not just ladies. And <laughs> peak practice, I think that was set in the Derbyshire Dales, not the Yorkshire Dales, mm -hmm. could be wrong, and starred Kevin Waitley. Um, I don't think I fancied him. It was minor complaints <laughs> in a in a rural and rather pleasant setting. Um, I don't... <laughs> So if you had a bit of lumbago and you lived in a pretty place, you had a fair chance of getting on the telly back in 1998. And um, this is much better, actually, because I wasn't that keen on peak practice. B. Crosser says, waiting each week back in 1998 for the royal family. Oh, yes. Now, that was genius telly. It was, and it still is. It's That's one of those shows gorgeous. that is still great. Every, every, I mean, not just Christmas, but it does feel very, very festive. But every time it's on TV, you just have to sit and watch it. Also, the conversations they have I still have what did you have for your tea is still one that works for me uh, I mean, it just is doesn't get old we love to eat so we do still want to hear from you your own memories the things that you were watching what you were doing email us it's podcast at radiotimes.com or on twitter facebook instagram at radiotimes 
That's it for the very first edition of the Radio Times podcast. I hope you'll join us every single Wednesday for the best in television and entertainment. Um, it's been great, Rihanna. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next week, I hope to be talking to Prue Leith because it's the big return for Bake Off. Oh, and Strictly's back as well. And we might even talk about Amazon Prime's Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Much to look forward to. Grab this week's edition of the Radio Times. It has... Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham on the cover and there's more from them in the Radio Times magazine version of the interview as well. It's out now. 